Pro Wrestling Noah, July 16, Nippon Budokan. Keiji Muto's chosen venue, the Nippon Budokan. The first fight of his retirement streak. The challenger, Supernova Kaito Kiyomiya. Don't miss Keiji Muto's retirement run. Keno challenges New Japan Pro Wrestling Satoshi Kojima for Noah Gold, the GHC Heavyweight Championship. And Ninja Mac is back! On top of that, Rob Van Dam in a hardcore rules match. International stream on Wrestle Universe. James here. Welcome to another edition of Cafe Day, Renee. I'm joined once again by the Star Show, Mr. Renee Dupree. And Renee, they got his own theme song. Doom. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we've got, in my opinion, the hardest partying referee in the business. His name is Mike, Life of the Party, Kyoto. <laughs> man, what's happening, Renee? What's happening, James? How you doing, man? What's going on? All right. So, yeah. uh, I haven't spoken to this man in Christ 15 or 16 years, so it's so good to see his face and hear his voice. Yeah, man. Good to see you, too, Renee. How you feel? Looking good, man. Looking good. Always in shape still, huh? <laughs> uh, got nothing better to do in my life but the workout. I so. hear you, man. That's it, man. Yeah. That's good, man. You're still so, looking uh, young, man. Good to hear you're still working, <laughs> you know? It's the French genetics, man. You stay That's young it. for a long time, <laughs> and it goes, boom, right yeah, downhill. Right. <laughs> right. So where are you at now, dude? You're in Tampa, Florida? Yeah, Tampa, Florida, man. Moved here about uh, almost three years ago and uh, moved okay. in from Texas. I was in Texas for about 14 years, you know, from New Jersey. Um, lived in Jersey pretty much all my life, and went out to Texas in like 07 outside of Houston. And uh, we moved here, me and my wife, we moved over here about three years ago in Tampa, man. Better beaches, nicer, a lot, lot more things to do. Yeah, that's good. But that's enjoying good. the Tampa, Florida weather. It's a little laid back here, but <laughs> so. All right, so let's, um, let's talk about your career, dude. Like yeah, you've had an amazing run in, in the world of professional wrestling. So. Give it to me. Like, when did it all start? Did you start on like uh, in the territories and in the independence, or were you straight into to the New York territory? No, it was pretty much. Uh, you know, Renee, it's a, it's a good question because uh, I used to, I was 15, 16. I used to work in the summer times with uh, Victor Quiones, and uh, he used to run a ring crew for Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, and wow, Joey man. Morello was Gorilla Monsoon's son at the time, and uh, he was a referee at the time. And I used to do the ring in the summer times and everything, and. You know, it was like 50 bucks to take the, you know, set up, tear the ring down, 50 bucks for robes, 50 bucks for music, 50 bucks for this. And then, uh, you know, I would do like errands for Andre back then. And, you know, because Gorilla Monsoon owned the territory, 
And that was uh, around like Philadelphia. He did the Spectrum. He did Wildwood in New Jersey every Monday. We would do Wildwood in the summer times and stuff in uh, Salisbury, Maryland, and a certain a few other places around the East Coast there. So he worked, you know, he had that territory from Vince Sr. So right. when Vince, Vince took over everything, you know, that's when all went away. But uh, then I went into a machine shop working at 17, 18, and then I uh, came back to wrestling. And I asked Gorilla and Joey for a job back and uh, got a job back after high school. So I went full-time there. Wow. And, uh, and you're with the... You were with that company for Christ, 33, 34 30, years? 30, 35 years. Yeah, 35 years. And I, so it was like, uh, you know, when I started there and I started on the ring crew, of course, and you had to try out, you know, like, you know, you tried out for a while and you did the road for a year. Then they signed you as an employee, um, got right. signed as an employee and then still got paid. And then uh, two, three years later, two years later, Chief Jay Strombo made me a referee and uh, Gorilla Monsoon made me a ref. So wow. Chief really led the path for me there, you know, with, with refereeing and, of course, all the talent when I grew up with, like George Animal Steel and a bunch of guys, man, were just they—they they taught me a lot of the old ropes, which was great because, like, you know, it was there was times like learning for them guys, Chief Jay and Jack Lanza, Grizzly Smith, um, uh, Rene Goulet, all the all the guys, you know, they you took all that in and everything, all their all their knowledge and wisdom and stuff like that, and um, you know, they they always told me the less you're noticed, the less you're seen. Pat Patterson used to say the same thing, you know, less you're seen, the less you're noticed, the more you're doing your job, you right. know, and, um, I mean, you know, it just, uh, you know, like starting in the business when I remember I was referee before I debuted on TV in like 80, 88, 89. Um, you know, I remember slapping hands with the fans after a fuck finish, you know, and it was a screw job and I'm slapping hands with all the fans coming back and I'm in my bow tie. I got Lonza, Chief Jay, and Renee Goulet right there, fucking ready to read me out. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you a business for yourself? What the fuck did you just do? You know? Right, right. <laughs> so, it was good. You must, have, you must have so many stories. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Let's start with, like, okay, as a referee, how many, uh, how many injuries did you see in the ring with wrestlers? And did you ever get injured yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, seeing tons of injuries, you know, of course, like God bless with draws, what happened to him and stuff like that. Um, yeah. you know, were you really the referee for that match? Uh, no, I came in, I, I had a run in on that match and stuff. So, um, okay. that was in Long Island, I believe. I remember that, you know, in um, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, you know, that was just unbelievable. Um, what happened there. And, and I've seen so many injuries and, you know, like undertakers went through a lot of surgeries over the years and he needed surgeries and hip replacements and so forth. And um, just like Shawn Michaels and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania, knowing what they were going in, into that match at WrestleMania, doing that match I did. And uh, it was, I was in Boston and, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels' lower back was all messed up. He had to get surgery after that Mania match. Stone Cold wasn't 100%. There's just been so many injuries. Um, I didn't, you know, I had no ACL for a while. I tore my ACL when I was 1992 at Wembley Stadium. Uh, it was SummerSlam. And we were in London, England. And yep. I remember I, I tore my AC there, um, ACL there. Um, that's when we had no trainers or nothing either at that time. And I remember I jumped over that we built this ring on a platform. It was like a five to six foot platform because you had to yep. build the ring up higher before Wembley Stadium. Yep. And, uh, I remember I had to go run and get something. I jumped over the barricade thinking it was the normal barricade jump over, man. And I wound up going down like eight to 10 feet. Boom, I blew my knee out before the show. 
But, uh, oh, man, bro. But I had Animal, Hawk, you know, Joe Laurinaitis, God bless his whole soul. Um, and Hawk, you know, Mikey, uh, they, one of them taped my leg up. One of them drained the blood and, and the fluid out. <laughs> and I was like, uh, Joe taped me up really good. You know, I got through the match, you know. So it was yeah. cool. So it was just old school taking care of, taking care of me. So, uh, but you know, going in uh, to Wembley Stadium as as far as like big matches like that and stuff, and in, in my career, um, you know, I'm gonna have to really say like one of the matches I, I'd say is like Rock and Hogan, you know, in Toronto. And wow. That's one of my, and it wasn't even a wrestling technical fucking match. It wasn't. You knew yeah. it wasn't gonna be this, you know freaking like a Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels type match or whatever, or, and, or like, you know, a Benoit, uh, Kurt Angle or something, but, um, they tore the house down, man. They, you know, they, they had a lot of expectation coming, which that should have been the last match of the night. You know, um, I remember Jericho saying, man, this, this should be the last match of the night. We shouldn't go on last, you know? Well, nobody could follow it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just hard to follow that, man. It was just, the crowd was sucked out. I've never seen so much energy in a crowd and like at a WrestleMania big stadium like that you know at that time it was 2002 though but probably still haven't seen something like that so you told me you used to run you used to run errands for andre you gotta give me some you gotta give me some story i remember i was like 16 17 or 17 or something and i had like uh you couldn't get alcohol after like when you were 18 i remember they changed it to 21 and i was before that age but remember i was 17 and i remember fucking getting Andre like Andre asked me to get him a bottle of vodka and some wine you know like this French wine he only drank this certain kind of French wine Cabernet and uh so I was like oh Andre I'm not old enough man I I can't really you know and and I remember like Jim Powers and a bunch of guys like Rick Martel and Tony Gray you can't tell Andre no you can't tell the boss no I'm like how the fuck am I gonna get alcohol well how would how else would you get alcohol I say well I'd stand out in front of a liquor store and ask somebody give him money and like, well, do that <laughs> i'm like what I'm, like, I'm fucking out at this liquor store and i'm like i got a hundred dollar bill on my you know he gives me a hundred dollar bill and him and arnie scola in the back playing cards arnie smoking the cigar you know and i'm like arnie man i'm like fuck if i get robbed this hundred bucks he's like well just just make sure you get it and i'll reimburse you kid and i'm like fuck all right so i wound up getting it i mean just like things like that and andre would tip me like 50 bucks i was like oh shit i'll do that again andre no problem so that's you know? in the 80s so 50 bucks back then would be like 200 oh, bro, bucks it was, a, it was huge i mean you're talking like i'm making i was making 500 bucks a night because i was making 50 bucks on a ring 50 bucks on robes 50 bucks on music doing other stuff um and then i'd, I'd sell programs because joey was already reffing you know with dick Worley down there joe Pick Kroll and you know Joey Morello was always the ref, and um, and Danny Davis would be down there sometimes, and then um, you're talking I'd make ten cents off the dollar on programs. So on the boardwalk, on the way out, intermission on the way out, and the blowout, and before the show, I'd make I'd sell like three thousand programs, and then Jeez. I'd make yeah ten cents off the dollar. So I made three hundred bucks there, and then wow. did all the ring crew stuff too. You know, so it was awesome. Wow. Man. I was I had four cars by the time I was 17, 18. <laughs> so that's why I, when i went into the machine shop you know and my father got sick he took a stroke when i was uh, 17 and he kept you know he, he he made it okay he lived till like year 2000 he passed but I had to step up the game and i went back into wrestling and asked gorilla because i knew i made great money in wrestling 
And then yeah. just uh, rode that wave with the Hulk Hogan era, man. It just rode wow. that wave all the way to Stone Cold and The Rock and, you know, the Attitude Era. And, uh, you okay, know, so let's talk about that, man. Like, you've seen it all. Out of all the eras in, in, in the WWF, which one was the most exciting, the biggest? Uh, man, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to say that Attitude Era, man. You know, you just had that yeah. Attitude Era with DX and all that shit and Shawn Michaels yeah. and uh, then him branching off to his own and Stone Cold, The Rock, um, going into Rock and Hogan's match in 2002. Um, yeah. I don't think uh, the Hogan, Shawn Michaels in 05 got the same reaction really at all as Hogan and Rock, you know, because it was like, you know, Andre passed that torch, Renee, to to Hogan, you know, and Joey Morella yeah. did that match. And then, uh, you know, Hogan passed, finally at that time, I feel like he passed that torch to The Rock, you know, in 2002 yeah. and Sky Dome. And then really a year or two later, Rock took that torch and took off to Hollywood. <laughs> he fucking left his hanging. <laughs> like, oh, so do you really feel that way? Like, I mean, well, no, nah, it was good for what he did and started his thing in Hollywood, you know? But he had right. quite a few more years in the wrestling business, but things just didn't really, wasn't panning too well in, with him in the office at that time, you know? So he took uh, off to Hollywood, and then he said, screw it. And he just, man, he look look where he's at right now, you know? Unbelievable. Well, he's the biggest star in Hollywood, right? Right, right, right. And, I mean, the guy's in phenomenal shape. He's unbelievable. He's Fuck, he's, he's jacked. He looks great, man. Dude, what is he, like, in his 50s now? Yeah. Looks better than he ever has? Gotta be, yeah. Low 50s, yeah, 50, 51 or something like that, you know? But, so you just you just said something uh, interesting to me. You said it wasn't panning out for him in the office at that point in time. What, what do you mean by that? Well, it wasn't really. I think it was just more or less, um, you know, I remember him texting me. He was at Anaheim or something. I don't know. It got to be around 2003, maybe 2004. And I remember him, you know, I remember him texting me something. If this, you know, the meeting don't go too well down here. They were supposed to meet in the garden. It was like Vince, I think Hunter, you know. And uh, okay. yeah, and after that, he was gone. He went off to Hollywood. So I well, that's when I I got to my thing in the ring with him was in Anaheim in two thousand three. Right, was, right, uh, yeah. Was was the rocket sock. He was the right. surprise that night. Right. And nobody knew he was in the building, man. When his music hit, holy Christ! It was just right. it was it was a fucking instant like orgasmic feeling, bro. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean. That was the night because I remember he had a meeting and, and there was this garden at the hotel and they had this private meeting with Vince and stuff back there. So right. um, I don't know if it was really over money contract or ego, you know, with, with other things or something, but we, we really never talked about that after that. When he came back, I did his match with John Cena. He wanted me to yeah. rep his match with John Cena was awesome. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so forth. So, and then he, he actually reached out to um, to do that movie. Um, oh, what was that? The wrestling movie uh, with uh, Paige, you know? Uh, wrestling oh. movie, finally. Yeah, and I had just went through ACL surgery. I uh, finally got my ACL done. I had to get a cadaver, and, you know, about five, six years ago. And um, he calls me, and I'm like, it's like a week in rehab. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You call me now. I'm like, right, was, right. He's like, oh, man. He's like, you got to be kidding me. So, yeah, I missed an opportunity for that that movie. Yeah. But we yeah. really haven't talked about, you know, we never got a chance really to talk about the woes because he just made it off to Hollywood, man. He, you know, he's got nothing 
to look back forward to, you know, he, he's just, I'm glad he, he's doing what he's doing because that's the type of guy he is, you know, and that's where I, that's yeah. where I think he's at such on the top level in Hollywood. Just a great guy. Yeah. He's geez. I, I see him taking care of his family members, buying right. brand new vehicles, houses, right. all kinds right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, and he started this business with a dollar in his pocket, you know, when he came into the company. So unbelievable wow. story. It is. It is. Yeah. You mentioned um, Joey Morella a few times, Mike, and obviously him and Gorilla broke you into the business, essentially. Uh, Joey was one of my favorite referees, and you mentioned yeah. SummerSlam, him refereeing Brett and Bulldog. I've read, I've read oh, Brett's yeah, book. Bulldog, yeah. Bulldog, yeah. And Brett says, Joey, when they're doing the match, Joey's like, you're killing it. You're amazing. Sadly, Joey passed away in a car crash. I would imagine right. that affected you quite a lot. Yeah, it's um, not only affected Tony Chimmel and I, you know, Tony Chimmel was our, like, we were ring crew partners for like 20 some years. We still talk. Um, the company let go Tony Chimmel at the same time they let me go as well. Um, he was there 38 years with the company at that time. Wow. And uh, they just, yeah, and like, uh, you know, you know, Shane reached out, which was nice. And Shane, did, but we didn't hear from anybody else. And Tony didn't hear from anybody. He was like, man, I was just real surprised. Not like, you know, we aren't going to cost him out or anything. We had a great run, great, you know, great run and everything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, uh, Joey, Joey did a lot of incredible matches. Um, Tony and Chimmel and I, you know, like we started in the ring crew business for many years. Um, and, and the sad thing about that whole thing is that we were coming back from Salisbury, Maryland, actually. And we just got done TV tapings after a 17 day run. We went to Europe came back had a dude set of more tvs and he had to drive from salisbury maryland to new york newark airport to fly and he had just moved to tampa and like maybe six months to eight months prior to that and it was july 4th weekend and uh it was just the other day like you know and we actually we did the last matches we got ready he took off he said yeah, i'm going to catch a ride with bruno go home go back to newark so I go, I said, man, you sure you don't want to come down to the beach and stay at your mom? You're going to go to your mom's? You're going to, no, nah, no, nah, I got to get to Florida. I got to pay some bills. I haven't been home in 17 days. So, um, and we actually, we passed the accident and it was right near his mom's exit. And he had another hour to go to Newark, you know, so it was just, uh, fell asleep at the wheel right in the middle. And thank God Bruno survived that, you know, and uh, we passed that accident and Chimmel, well, he was like, Chimmel was like, holy shit, look at his Kyoto. And, we looked over, and next thing you know, we seen like tons of cop cars, fire trucks, ambulance, and um, we, we went around in the left lane real slow or something like that. Didn't even know it was Joey. And I get a call at six in the morning from Gorilla, and uh, wow. I was like, yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's something. Well, let's try to talk about something a little bit more upbeat, yeah. like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you talked about egos in wrestling. There's no egos yeah. in wrestling, is there, Mike? Oh, shit. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Being a referee, man, you see a lot of fucking egos, you know? Okay. Some well, for the better, some for the worse. Are you allowed to say anything? I know. I know. It's up to you. No, I mean, no, I mean you know, he goes in a certain way, like, um, to me, like, you know, when you were like Shawn Michaels and you had an ego and you really cared about you and you got hot, you had a hot temper because you wanted everything to be so perfect. Right. Um, you know, that that ego is good to me because, you know, Shawn, <laughs> wherever you put him, whether he, you know, I remember he came in from the, with the Rockers, you know, he came in with Marty Jannetty and, 
you know, what he went from tag team to singles to DX to singles and what a career he had, you know? And, um, you know, he was, uh, he was showstopper. He was, you know, I seen him, he was an unbelievable worker too. And, you know, he had an ego, he had charisma, he, he had steam, he had temper, he had it all, you know, right, but right. egos, uh, certain ways are good. And sometimes that, you know, like sometimes I think when these companies like WWE or AEW or somebody makes you a star, you know, sometimes you can't forget, you know what I'm saying? Where you came from, you know, yeah. and if you just if you, if you ride that humble wave for a little while, you know you, you're you're gonna you're gonna be okay. I think. Do you feel like they could, they could pull that ego right from you anytime if they feel like you're getting? You know what I'm saying? They that's feel like what, that's what I was about to ask you. If you're getting you're over yourself, they'll pull you back. You know, <laughs> right? So like some of this stuff that you see on television, where it's like it's kind of like embarrassing. Do you think that's the one way the company tends to like? pull them back and like, listen, we can make or break you. you yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. kind of see it. I've seen it over, you know, three and a half decades. I've seen, you know, what, what the guy was on a hell of a run. And then man, he was on his way out and it before, you know, it, and doing jobs and looking at the lights every, every night and every night. Yeah. You know, yeah. every week or something, you know, there's guys like Ziggler. I, I felt like went through a, a real tough run there for a while, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so he looks like he's been maybe back on track a little bit here and there. So, and he's one of the hell of a workers and he was always getting held back. I thought. Right. Right. So after three and a half decades, how hard was it for you to adjust to normal life? Man, it's uh, <laughs> that's a good damn question. Renee. Um, right. You know, I kind of liked it cause I was like, damn, you know, right now, you know, don't have to pay for hotels and kind of pay for my own mortgage and be in my own house for once all the time, but right. during COVID for a while too. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I'm semi-retired. So I'm, I'm kind of working here, working there. I'm doing flares last match. I work for Puerto Rico at LAWE. I'll be out there on the 16th this month. And then um, I got flares last match on the 31st in Nashville. So yeah. I, I think he's, you know, he's, he's going to be tagging up or he might be doing a single. So we'll see what happens there. So, um, you know, everything, right. uh, um, just working what I kind of do. And I got some signings and stuff like that. Just been doing what I want to do. So it's, it's been pretty nice though. It's, uh, living in Tampa, man, it's, there's a lot to do going to the beaches and, you know, we just yeah. got back from South Carolina or see some friends and beaches there and stuff like that. So just, uh, beaches in all in Florida, Key West been going, I'm like, damn, this is just too laid back a little bit. You know, it's just right. I'm like 55. I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready to retire yet, but <laughs> I remember like there's a lot of these podcasts where they have questioning last man standing at the bar. And I, I can't understand why your name doesn't get mentioned more. And the last <laughs> man standing at the bar. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about Let's... some nights out, man. Where is your favorite place to party? You've been around the world. Favorite place to man. party, favorite people to party with. Come on. I'll tell you, man. Um, you got to say Tokyo is, is definitely one of the places I've always remember. Pungi is just always a fucking rocking place, man. I mean, Japan does it right, man. All the way to the Korean barbecue, all the way to the nightlife, you know? And yeah. so, um, you know, like, uh, it's a funny story. Cause I've taken my wife to about 15 different countries and she's, I took her to, for a week vacation in Japan about four years ago. And she absolutely, she, my friends, Masa and Sato were taking care of us and, 
this and that. And she was actually crying when she fucking left Japan. I said, what's wrong? She goes, oh my God, I love Japan. I don't want to leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the people are so nice and so respectful. She was just like, she was just like overwhelmed. Um, yeah. The nightlife party, and I have to say, really though, Australia, man, that's one of the uh, countries. New Zealand. Oh, fucking Australia, bro. <laughs> when, you, when you don't go out, the first night I went out in Australia, it was Melbourne. We went to Melbourne. We did that 2000 whatever tour. It was a Melbourne big show we did. And we went out there for a week. And that was the wrong thing to do to send the boys out a week before a show, big show, <laughs> 6,000 people. And I believe it was in 2002, I want to say, the Melbourne tour when we kicked off Melbourne's and Australia and everybody partied so fucking hard. The bars didn't close till six, seven, eight in the morning, nine. We go to this club and, and it, and like, I come out and like 10 in the morning, it was me, wow. Tom, Zach, and a bunch of guys. And we come out and it's like so bright and sunny. So we're like, Holy shit. If we ever go out again in Australia, we're wearing sunglasses. You're bringing sunglasses at night. <laughs> I just went out. I mean, bro, we, it was just like the ecstasy days were around there too, you know, and you're like just playing with a little bit of that playing, you know, it was just, it was fun, right. man. Those days were fun, yeah. man, in Australia. I mean, you can go out at one o'clock in the morning, like we always did. And you don't yeah. have to come back till nine, 10 in the morning. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'd say Australia's tops, Sydney and Melbourne. That's for sure. And that's another country with really, really friendly people too, right? Yeah. Real friendly people. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you just mentioned something a little, uh, I don't know, risque, but uh, the ecstasy and different uh, party drugs. I mean, you've been around for 35 years. Yeah. I any, mean, like, yeah, that was good that was and bad. Pretty, what's that? Yeah, like any good and bad stories about the drug scenes during different eras? Like when yeah, was the worst I mean, time? Yeah, it was always, it was the opioids, uh, the opioids. I, I lost a lot of friends. We all, we've all lost a lot of friends, man. I'm sure did. you too. And, you know, um, and it was sad, man, when Lance Cade and so many other guys, and it was just, uh, it was just going on too many young guys, man, and test. I mean, you know, I was very good friends with Andrew, you know, so, um, it was just, it's been tough, you know, like over the years, it was real tough. And I'm glad, you know, that's one thing I really glad about WWE tightened up that drug testing program. So, yeah. which, you know, it kind of helped the boys out a lot. So, and, and you know, as far as I, I know, it's pretty, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty much clean and everything going there because they're on you so it's a that's a good thing yeah so like i left in 2007 and you stayed on for another what 10 years 10 no yeah. 15 years oh 15 yeah i told you 15 yeah so like now when the guys have some type of injury they're automatically taken care of and checked yeah, out man, and all that automatically stuff. yes yes Renee, it's a big big transition what they did from you know years ago to what they all the trainers and doctors they have and you know like uh me i just had shoulder uh, surgery like two and a half years ago before i moved here three years ago but they sent me to alabama for both both surgeries for my knee and my shoulder and everything and they had right. dugas do it you know they do it right man they, they take care of you they do it's a yeah. different story well that's good to hear yeah it's good to hear yeah so recently we just lost uh a couple more referees that you've that you uh, worked with back in the day with Dave Hebner. Yeah. Um, tell us some stories, man. Yeah. Um, you know, God bless Dave and his family and as well as Tim White and his family and everything. Um, sad to hear just like back to back. It just happened. Um, Dave was sick for a little while. Uh, but Dave was a great guy. I mean, I knew him when he, you know, he came in, he was already a referee and, 
and that the big thing he did there, and he was such a great guy. And I remember, you know, he did the what was it, the Steamboat Macho Man match, you know, with yes. the Dragon and Macho Man match, which was badass. Yeah. And I always remember Dave doing that match. And, you know, like after the big deal with Hulk Hogan with the switch of the referees were all Hebner. Dave went into uh, producer, like, you know, he went into like agent mode and he's yeah. always like settling up the banks and agent mode and stuff like that. So, and David always paid me extra money, man. He was always a good guy to me. He was always great. Him and his brother Earl were always good to me. So, you know, it's just yeah. sad thing we lost him, man. And I haven't seen him in quite a few years since he left the company as well. I seen Earl here right. and there. So, and I talked to Earl over the, you know, when, when his brother passed and all that. So, yeah. One that hit me hard actually was Timmy White because man, yeah. what a great, great guy! Great guy, man. Always smiling, always happy. Yeah, you know, we used to um, we used to hang at his bar and stuff. The Friendly Tap in Rhode Island, you know, it's like a little town outside of in Providence there, and um, yeah, the Friendly Tap. That was, that was just the perfect name for Tim White's bar, the Friendly Tap, because that's how that's how Timmy was. Yeah, and um, we used to go there every once in a while. Go there, and we used to drink till three, four in the morning, have a great time. And I remember Bradshaw and Fruk used to go there. Everybody used to go there, boys. And uh, you know, missed Timmy dearly. I heard he was at TV like a few weeks prior to that, and he was looking good, looking great. So it, was, it must have been something sudden, you know. Fuck. But uh, you never yeah, know, I mean, right? You never know, man. You know, and it's just you know, I miss the old school guys and Tim White. You know, like he called me in my surgery, called me when I got released. And stuff like that you know when he told me what to do he's like hey you know go go have a meeting with vince i know we could put you somewhere and i said you know what i'm just gonna lay low for a while see if they call yeah. me to want to train the refs or do whatever but you know i'm not begging you know oh you'd be perfect for that role man training yeah i mean referees. that's where i thought i was going too you know Renee. i was I, I had a, a conversation with hunter and uh, a few years back maybe four or five years now um you know, he said, hey, you know, I, I said, well, he goes, I said, would I have to move to Florida? He goes, I don't want to see you referee until you're 60 years old. You know, I said, shit. I was like, I don't want to be referee until I'm 60 years old. You know, <laughs> I said, I don't know if my knees and my hip are going to, you know, hang, hang, right. hang in there. So we're laughing. And then I said, well, you know, I know the PC center is down in Orlando. I said, well, I said, man, I said, how about moving to Tampa? Like, because what I thought about, I was like, what about Tampa instead of Orlando? Because it was so vacationy there in Disney and stuff, like, you know? Right. And I'll commute right. if I had to go to school and help out or do whatever. And he was like, yeah, that, yeah. I said, oh, cool, I'll, I'll move to Tampa, you know? So, and that's one of the reasons why we moved to Tampa too. So, and then six months moved here and I got released during COVID. So it was kind of a shocker. I was supposed to work WrestleMania and then, you know, released. I was like, what the fuck, you know? But um, yeah, it was, it was a shocker, but it's been a good run. So can't complain. Is it yeah. true for Edge and Orton called you to referee their greatest match of all time one at Backlash? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. On that, I was in, in the middle of a drive to Houston, Texas. We were going back to see my, um, take care of a few things in Houston, go see my wife's kids in Houston and some family there. And uh, we were just on our way back, driving back. And I was like in Louisiana and I get a call. And he's like, oh, man, I need you, you know, I need you to get blood work. You need to get a physical and do this. I'm like, I said, I can't leave my wife driving. I said, I'm not going to fly out of New Orleans. I said, I don't have no gear on me, no nothing. And I said, I'm about still about 12 hours from freaking Houston from, you know, where I was in Louisiana or whatever. And uh, I couldn't couldn't make the match because they needed me there on Saturday to, to uh, pre-record it. And it was just like a Thursday. 
Wow. They thought I was just hanging in Tampa, I guess. I don't know. It's like, God, yeah, I, I, no, I told Edge and Randy, I apologize, man, but there's no way I was going to be able to make it, you know? Right, so, right. But, well, let's... Um, and I, I hear back from AEW every once in a while, but, you know, I just did a pay-per-view match for them a couple weeks ago for Owen and they had the yeah, well, Hart tournament. How was, well, how was that? How was the experience there? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, Cody called me up after my my months of the severance pay um, with the company, uh, he said, Hey, I want you to come, you know, down here. And this was like two and a half years ago, two years ago. And he was like, come down here, man. We wanted, you know, I worked down there about three or four times and he wanted to get me signed and signed and signed. And then, you know, knowing now what I, what happened and him going back to WWE, I heard he was losing some kind of stroke at that point, maybe or something. And I know he was trying to get me in, back to me he was like man it's exactly what we need we need your experience train the referees make you know help out here do matches whatever i'm like fine bro whatever you need you know right. and uh, i just get, get called back every once in a while but i don't get signed so i don't know what's going on with AEW. so we'll see well how was the backstage environment was it a laid back Did it yeah like it's laid back it's cool environment very yeah. laid back um tony khan's a different different uh type of billionaire i'll tell you that really good, good guy yeah good guy just uh outgoing like um just uh younger he's just young and and he's just he's having a you know what he's three years into business now going on the fourth year they're doing phenomenal right i mean he's got a pretty down pat what's going on he don't do live events right they don't, they don't kill the guys and the killer bodies you know they're doing everything for tvs and pay-per-views four times a, a year that's it. Four times a right. year pay-per-views. Right. So they're not killing their guys, traveling them on the road, 17, 20 days a month, just TVs. Right. Just TVs, yeah. Yeah. You think that's a better format? <clears throat> the four pay-per-views yeah. a year it makes it more special? I think so. Yeah. Four top, maybe five, maybe five at least. Do five, you know? But I think 12, you know, with WWE is doing a pay-per-view every month, it's just, ah. I, I just felt like he lost time to build up a, a nice storyline for two or three months, four months, five months. You know, I remember when I was over. there, Raw had a pay-per-view, SmackDown had a pay-per-view, then there was the big four. Right, right, right. Right? That like, was yep, too yep. much. I, I mean, when you had Survivor Series in Ohio all the time, when we started on Thanksgiving, I mean, we had Survivor Series and the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, you know, you had four major yeah. you know, pay-per-views, but of course, with the network, I guess they were maybe making more money with the network in in a way. Yeah, so, um, but uh, you know, when he built that that network empire, um, you know, but I feel like you know AEW should do very well on their papers doing four. They at least do five, maybe. You know, it's still not yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know. Okay, so let's uh, before we finish up, what's yeah. your greatest memory in the business? In your whole career, greatest memory. Greatest memory. I probably, I would probably have to say, um, man, probably the Rock and Hogan match in the ring. You know, like just with the crowd, man, just going fucking nuts on a shoulder tackle and a, and, a <laughs> and it was just like just the basic common things that I was seeing for years from Hogan. You know, and. When he came yeah, back, yeah. man, it just, it just, I mean, the way that crowd was when he freaking came out, I was just, I marked out, I marked out for a little bit. 
I really got to say, I, and, and at that time, yeah, I'm in the business like 17 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking right. marketing there. Like, I just stare, and it's like the front page of every paper. And his stare was just like, like, right? <laughs> like, look at it. Hi, and the way the crowd was, they were just the, the energy, and I never yeah. felt like I. I mean, I felt a lot of crowds and done thousands of matches, and and uh, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from all the other great you know, technical matches and all the great matches I've done in my career. But crowd-wise and just two icon against icon, it was just, and it's, and it's become the number one talked about match, you know, of all time. Pretty wow. Much. Yeah. yeah. One question I would love to ask yeah. you, Mike, and you're probably a handful of people I can actually ask this question too. So we all know about the Montreal Screwjob and Brett leaving. So right. you was obviously part of the company during that time, but you were also part of the company when Brett returned. Right. What was right. that like? When did you first hear the rumors that Brett is coming back? And could you believe it after what happened in Montreal? You know, um, not really, but like every time you didn't want to, every time you said, oh, that's not going to happen. No, this shit happened. I mean, it's just, this guy's never coming back. He comes back. It's just... <laughs> I think it's all about business with Vince. It's just, you know, whether this guy can make me money. I don't care what it costs him to get back. If he got burned before, I'll pay him this much and we'll get his ass back. I want to make some money, you know, or it's really about all about the money. Um, yeah, I felt bad the way Brett went out because he, you know, he kind of went to WCW and really didn't do anything down there, you know. And it was kind of like he, you know, it's kind of like, fuck, you know, they hate to see Brett at that time. I think he gave a good 14, 15 career years of uh wwf at that time you know he gave he was given you know 14 15 solid years of hard work and um you know yeah that that happened i was i was supposed to run out on that match and owen was right behind me you know so wow. yeah like yeah and all i see is earl running down the freaking what the fuck did the belgian <laughs> fucking spot i'm like so i was supposed to he's supposed to get put he takes the bump I'm supposed to slide in, count one, two. Then Owen was right behind me. He slides in, grabs me by the loop, back of my belt, pants or whatever, throws me out through the second, third rope. He shits cans me. As he shits cans me, he turns around. Shawn Michael was supposed to super kick him. That's the spots that I got. <laughs> and Owen, Owen had that spot too, I believe. So, you know, because um, Owen was supposed to be right behind me on the run-in because I was supposed to run in Owen here it is. They ain't screwing my brother, you know? And then right. she can me through the second and third rope. And then, then to take Owen out of the picture was a super kick, I believe, to Owen, you know? And, and I tell that same story. That's what that's what's supposed so, to go down. And we had a fucking bell. And I'm like, look through this curtain. And I'm looking at Briscoe and up. I'm like, what the fuck? But I seen Briscoe and Earl talking off to the side earlier. And I'm going, man, I wonder if I should go over there. I'm like, I wonder if my shit changed. You know, I'm like... No, my, I never did though, you know, just kept right. to myself and just had to do what I had to do, but it never got to that point. So, right. You know. Yeah. So what was Tony the Kimmel, like Tony Kimmel came up to me and said, what the fuck is going on? And he goes, I said, what? He goes, Earl just told me to give these keys to David and make sure David gets them right now. He goes, and don't fuck around. Chimel, I need those keys to David. He looks stressed. And I'm like, Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe they want to get out here early. Like they always do. <laughs> <laughs> they did, boy. I think I think Jim Cornette beat them out of the arena because Jim Cornette was parked in front of them. <laughs> yeah, that's ah! right. yeah. 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 
<laughs> Jim Cornell was parked right in front of him and they couldn't get out. They had to wait. And he came down and they were like, get up, get in your car. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. How, but, how yeah. was it when you uh, saw Brett years later when he returns? Ah, uh, man, it, it was cool. Me and Brett were cool. I mean, Brett asked me, did they, you know, he asked me earlier in that day because me and Joey staying with Brett. We used to go to some places. Brett was very good friends with Joey. Yes. And um, and I became good friends with Brett. And, you know, Brett asked me during that day, you know, in Montreal, he asked me early in the day, did anybody talk to you? Anybody come up and talk to you and anything? And I said, no, I said, nobody said nothing to me. You know, Brett, I, said, I swear, you know, and I go, I swear on my mother, you know, I was like, you know, because me and Joey's used to always play that, like swearing your mother stuff, you know, and, and Brett used to go, why the fuck do you say that? You know, like, well, we're Catholic, you know, if we see swearing our mother, we that means we're telling the truth. We don't want to lie swearing on our mother, you know? Yeah. So yeah. like, and I was, I was shooting with him, you know, it's like serious to get out. Cause he was serious. And uh, he goes, okay, coyote. He was like, I appreciate it, man. And I was like, all right, Brett, you know, I'll see you later. You know, like, and then he had the shit went down and he just snapped at the end, you know, kicking the doors and, you know, stuff like that. He was pissed. Well, I, I felt bad, man. That, that, you know, it was just the way they went to that, the turn thing. It was like Sean was the, the money of the business at that time. And they seen money in Sean. And I just didn't know why there wasn't enough room for both of them. You know what I'm saying? Like to make that money, you know, right. it was almost like, you know, giving Sean, Sean, you know, that you know, everything at that push and he was going to get that push at that time. And, forget brett you know but yeah it, it sucked you know james anything to finish well it depends how long you want to go for i can go another four hours but um, <laughs> you, you've mentioned owen mike um tell us no and heart rib i can imagine you've got a few what's that an or and heart rib owen, uh, yeah so i would imagine oh, owen owen heart heart ribs? Rib. oh shit i've seen him he pulled so many ribs on uh um like uh, just on, on people cutting their clothes, man, cutting their jackets. And he would, I remember he ordered like uh, to Zeus. I remember we were in Europe somewhere and he orders like 10 pizzas to Zeus's room. And fucking Zeus got stuck <laughs> at the bill. <laughs> they charged the room already or something. And fucking Zeus was hot. <laughs> he was running down the fucking hallway, throwing the pizzas around, fucking screaming. Like, <laughs> I, and I think somebody kept... Somebody kept calling his phone, like Owen was calling his phone, like every 15, 20 minutes, just ring, 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 like saying stupid shit or something, hanging up or just hanging up, you know? But the guy snapped, <laughs> man. <laughs> but, you know, Owen never cut the hair like Bulldog. Bulldog got my hair that one time. He got my hair, boy. And that was back in the day in Germany or somewhere. But yeah, I remember he got my hair. And then, did he uh, uh, did he give you the old H bomb? Yeah, no. Oh, they they gave the H bomb. I think I H bomb myself. I don't forgot what what I did that night. Bart <laughs> <laughs> Gun kept telling me, he "Goes, I think fucking Bulldogs on us. He wants us bad. Me and you. I think they're after us." I said, you "Can't be kidding me." I said, "Fucking, I said, what do we got with Bulldog? We ain't got nothing with him, you know." Right. And then uh, he goes, "I think it was him and Lex Luger. I think Lex Luger was picking it on board, you know." But uh, yeah, I got half my fucking hair shaved. I went to the bar where I got homeboy, got the buzz cut. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have the mullet, man. They would have chopped that mullet right off. I know that. Right. But yeah, it was just, I mean, that happened like to all the boys, man. You fall asleep on that bus ride, man, for, you know, 10 hour bus rides. I remember guys get their eyebrows shaved, hair chopped off, everything. <laughs> it was just a natural thing to do every week. Okay, well, 
the plane ride from hell. Were you on there? Of course you were. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Give me a story, man. Brother, I was in the back. The fucking top <laughs> talent were going nuts. I remember walking up. I just fucking, when I went back, because they were just fucking going nuts, man. I mean, Michael Hayes was fucked up. I remember like uh, one, two, three kid chopped his fucking ponytail off. Right. And uh, Razor and everybody was fucking running back, back and forth. Um, Heard somebody fucking peed near Linda McMahon or something. It was like, what the fuck? I was going, Taker was up there too. And I'm thinking, fucking Taker's up there. I know he's controlling the situation, you know? And that was funny because. Uh, and then I remember fucking uh, Brock and what you would call Perfect going at it. It was a Brock and right, yeah, yeah. They weren't added to the door. I wasn't getting fucking involved in that shit. Nobody wanted to get involved in that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, everybody thought the door could open at that time. Yeah, we've been flying for years at that time. We're like, and they're like, that door that never opened. We all thought the door was gonna probably open, you know. Uh, but uh. Yeah, a bunch of us kind of stayed in the back, man. I stayed in the back, chilled. I just wore my hat, you know, wore sunglasses, and it's it's midnight or two in the morning or something, three in the morning. I'm wearing my, it's like, because they would have to pull your shades off to, like, snip your fucking eyebrows. So you'd feel the shades right. come off you. Yeah, it was like a little trigger, a little trigger to right. wake you up. But, um, yeah, I remember all that shit went down. It, I remember the fucking alcohol. They were like, running out of alcohol because everybody drank so much because we had like a we had this like layover we had, we sat we sat around for like four hours or something or more. okay and we were on that charter flight you know and that motherfucker that was the last flight that vince took with the boys he got his he got his own jet after that so he was there he was on so that vince flight. was there and linda and linda oh yes wow. oh yeah <laughs> they were there okay. i mean michael hayes was up there um uh, they were, Dustin, there was a bunch, yeah, like the bunch, bunch of the boys were up, Taker was up there, you know, they were all in, yeah. in the business class seats and stuff, and uh, yeah, every right. time I walked up, I walked right the fuck, I was like, holy shit, I'm not getting involved, you know, that's the last thing I want is fucking Vince and Linda see me do something or whatever, I'm like, I'm not fucking around on this flight, you know, and I'm like, okay, it was like, yo, what's going on back there, I'm like, top talent is going fucking nuts, I'm like, Dead. Right, on nuts. Now, did you catch the dark side of the ring episodes? Yeah, yeah, I did one for that for the plane ride. Oh, did I you? Did that okay, yeah, I did that. Yep, yeah. So there was a thing on Flair where because Flair was accused of uh, right. sexual misconduct or something, right? Right. Now, do you think that was just a money grab on that woman's part, or what? Man, I don't know. Opinion? She was. She was actually. She was, I, I don't know, she, I, I thought she had signed some agreements or something like that, I've heard. No, disclosure. The but then she was supposed to, I think they had interviewed her, um, right. like right before me or something. Like, I think they interviewed her in Tampa or somewhere or somewhere. Oh. I don't know where they interviewed her. But uh, yeah, because I remember uh, they rented, you know, leased a house, dark side of the ring, and then it was only like 10 minutes from my house. And okay. I remember, um, uh, Let's see, um, Reynolds. Uh, what was her name? Oh my God, the good-looking blonde Terry. from back in the day, huh? Uh, Terry. Terry. That's it. Terry was coming after me, my interview, and uh, you know, to me, like you know, Rick used to always mess around in the locker room and all that stuff, and 
everything. And he, and he used to always pop the boys on that. You know what I'm saying? So that's, and it's not my thing. And I know Tommy Dreamer went through a lot of crap with that stuff and all that yeah. stuff. And he was trying to defend flair and all that, but you know, he was, he just, he used to always do things to pop the boys, Rick, you know, he's always been a great guy to me and everything else. So I don't, you know, I don't really, I guess the, you know, the, the ladies took it offensive that, you know, back then or something like that would happen, but I didn't see any of that. So. You didn't, didn't see anything. Right? No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Maybe like the boys, we get so intertwined in our own little world that sometimes we forget, like when the outsiders come in that they're not yeah. in on the whole gag. Right. 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 Yeah. Cause right. you know, tell me like, uh, you know, used to walk on the boys are you guys are impressive, you know, walking on a plane, huge as it, you got, you know, big guys, six foot seven, six foot eight, some are seven, some are six, three, six, four, everybody, everybody's jacked to the gills at six, you know, it's like, yeah. So it's yeah. a very, it's a very, um, uh, impressed you know i'm sure like everybody like all the flight attendants used to see them whether the commercial flight attendants or anybody used to be like oh my god what is this a football team like no wrestling right. no right yeah so, here comes the circus yeah here comes the circus That's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right james you got anything else uh yeah you mentioned uh brock earlier mike uh correct me if i'm wrong but you was in that match when Brock Superplex Big Show on the ring collapse. Am I right? Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us yeah, about that. Was, that was that was an awesome moment. Um, actually, that was a hell of a reaction too. You know, um, I remember all I had to do was basically just fall to my ass, kind of bounce around a little bit, and just sell it in my face. And Michael Hayes put me over like a million dollars. He's like, "That's exactly what we need." He was like, "You know, that's that's cool. I did my part there because both guys sell at the time, and the ring has just collapsed." So they kind of focused in on my, my facials and stuff like that, which was important. That was the whole stressful part of it. Like, holy shit, I'm not really, you know, I'm not one of the boys. You know, I'm a referee, so I got to sell this just as good as right. anything. But, um, yeah, that was pretty cool, man. That was pretty cool. Like, you know, part of that, you know, setting up the ring at that time, too. And, um, you know, and refereeing. That, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time they did it, right? Right, right. Yep. Because yeah, they've done it exactly. since, but as you know, it's never the same as the first time, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, the first time was the, the awesome time because that's the that's the crowd was just like, "Holy shit, holy shit!" You right. know, like the chant. Right. And right. um, yeah, so that was a good feeling because that was what what a way to end the show because we never did something like that before, and it was just you know to go off the air like that. And people were like, "Holy shit!" You know, is that real or what the fuck? You right. know, like, and I guarantee you, the rating was higher the following week. Cause you yeah. left with something, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just left them hanging. You know, you're like, That's I want to hear what happened. You know, I want to hear right. what happened. Tune in next week. Yeah. Next I mean, you time. know, there wasn't that much social media or anything like that, where it wasn't like, yeah. you know, Twitter and this and, you know, like able to spill the beans. So people were still curious, like what, you know, left them curious, like even wrestling back in the day, Renee, people used to ask me a million questions and that million questions is wrestling real, you know? Exactly. And I used to go, you know, it's real as you want to believe it, but let me tell you one thing, working for the company and refereeing, and I said, it's one of the most physical sports I've really ever seen. And, you know, it's it's a very physical sport, and these guys are artists and, and athletes to do what it takes to do what they do. Yeah. You know? Well, with that being said, you just mentioned something else. Twitter, yeah, social media. How has that negatively or positively affected our business? Um, 
I think it, it's kind of like, let's see, I think social media is kind of sometimes negative in, in, in a lot of ways, you know? So I think it's in negative in our young kids growing up these days. I think it's, you know, I've never seen, you know, I was traveling in the 80s when you could smoke on flights, when you, you actually had conversations with people, you, you talk to people in the airports. You, you know, nowadays, anywhere you go, every place you go, everybody's tied up in that phone, you know, and they're on social media. So, I mean, in a way, I kind of, Sometimes I have to put my phone down for a while. My wife even says, stop. I don't want to hear no text messages. Nothing. You know, it's like, right. I'm right. like, all right, babe. And, you know, but I mean, I think wrestling, has it hurt? I think it really promotes wrestling more. You know, it's stuff like that. Does it hurt? No, because people know it's, they really know it's a work. I think they, you know, the fans and, and stuff like that are a lot smarter. You know, that, you know, they're very intelligent of the business. You know, now they know the ins and outs. I mean, you know, they, they, they watch everything now on the networks and just get to see everything, you know, and yeah. if somebody becomes a fan now, it's amazing because I'll have like a six, seven-year-old kid, you know, uh, come up to me or eight-year-old, you know, kid. Oh, my God. Oh, you're one of my favorite referees. I'm like, I'm like, how's he know me? I'm like, you sure? He's, he's looking at me. He's thinking about me. They're like, yeah, we watch on the network. You know, he watches the network and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, that's cool but it's pretty, pretty wild. Like I haven't been worked for WWE in two years. And it's like this eight year old kid and, you know, nine year old kid or so like knows me. And I'm like thinking, what? <laughs> I'm like, I forgot. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty well, cool. Mike, man. Brother, it's been so good to see you again. Like I said, it's been 15, 16 years since yeah, I've seen you. Good to see you not. too, brother, man. You look phenomenal, brother. man. You look good, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. When you get back, well, you know, I, 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 I uh, take my fish rolls every day, and uh, I drink my coffee and a uh, yeah. gallon of water, and that's it. Get to the line. gym. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It was so good to see you, and uh, yeah. maybe in a few months, six months, we can do this again, maybe. Yeah, man. Let let, let me know. We'll do it again. You know, there's a lot more stories, yeah. man. It's hard to fit about 35 years in a, you know. So, uh, oh, that's that's just it. Yeah, we'll maybe discuss we that Rick Flair's Rick Flair's last match. <laughs> we'll have to more, keep you up. More bring that up now. Let's save that. Yeah, Let's yeah. Save we'll save it next time. time. Save it next time. Oh, yeah. all right, brother. Brother, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you, James. Thank you, Renee. Safe travels right, to you man. too, brother. Be safe out all right, there. All right. Brother. Okay, all right, man. I got the Bye bye. Pro wrestling Noah, July 16, Nippon Budokan. Keiji Muto's chosen venue, the Nippon Budokan, the first fight of his retirement streak. The challenger, Supernova Kaito Kiyomiya. Don't miss Keiji Muto's retirement run. Keno challenges New Japan Pro Wrestling Satoshi Kojima for Noah Gold, the GHC Heavyweight Championship. And Ninja Mac is back! On top of that, Rob Van Dam in a hardcore rules match. International stream on Wrestle Universe.